Good morning, everybody. Man, it's always so good to see you and to worship with you together on Sunday mornings. I hope your week is off to a fantastic start today. So today, as Pastor Nate said, we get our series started on relationships, and I get to talk about parenting. Parenting. Wow. Uh, that's a topic. That, that's a topic. Um, 13 years ago, I stood in a hospital room, and my wife had just given birth to our firstborn. She was a little baby girl. And because our families weren't in yet, I was by myself when I went to the nursery there in the hospital. And I kind of walked over after the nurse checked my bracelet to make sure I was the right dad, looking at the right baby. And I walk over there. There's our daughter, Kayla, and she's in her little hospital, little bed thing that they put the infants in in the nursery. If you've you've been in a nursery, you know what I'm talking about. Forget the word. There's a word for it. What is it? Bassinet? No, I have, we had a bassinet. Wasn't that? It was the little hospital bed that they put the kids in. You know what I'm talking about? Like a little crib type thing. So, you know, so they're all lined up. And I walk over to where my daughter is. And there she is. And she's wrapped up. You know, she's kind of all wrapped up. And she's got those little gloves on her fingers, on her hands. And she's got the pink cap on. And she's looking around. I'm standing all by myself because my family's not here yet, right? So I'm just by myself. And I'm looking at my little baby girl. And I freeze like a deer in headlights. Seriously. And I'm looking at her, and I go, what in the world do I do now? (laughs) There's a nurse that's in the nursery. And she's watching this very awkward interaction, or like a lack of interaction, between this new dad and his baby girl. And she says, Dad, it's okay. Then she says, hey, Dad, you can touch her. And I'm like, I'm not so sure. I don't really know. And she says, Dad, really, just put your finger in her palm. She'll squeeze your palm. I said, okay, that I can do. So I reach over there, I put my finger in her palm, and she squeezes her palm. She squeezes my palm, and I think, okay, I can do this. I can do this. Friends, it has been 13 years, eight months, two weeks, and three days since that day. And still, to this day, I often find my time, I often find myself saying, what in the world do I do now? What in the world? And surely, I am not the only parent in this room that still has those thoughts come to their minds. Doesn't matter if you're a parent of an infant, of a high schooler, something in between, a college student, maybe even a grown adult. And I think probably there's a lot of people here in this room or listening to us online that still say, What in the world do I do now? Right? I mean, wow, it's a big job. And no one gives classes, really, there's classes, but they aren't very good. And so you're like, wow, what did I just sign up for? So today, uh, there's a passage in the Bible we're going to look at. It's out of Colossians chapter 3. So I'd like for you to turn to Colossians chapter 3. And what's interesting is this chapter actually has verses that are directed towards wives and husbands, fathers and children. But those aren't the passages we're going to look at today. We're actually going to look at all the passages that are around those verses. And... uh, 
this morning as we go through these verses, I am going to give you some very practical steps to take, some very practical action steps. Things that will help answer that question, what in the world do I do now? And this is not an exhaustive list, and this is not my list. These are things that we see that God has written in his word for Christ followers to do. These verses kind of become known as, as a, a section of scripture called, called uh, rules for godly living. But this morning as we look at it, we're going to look at it as rules for godly parenting. Because there's some very key things in these verses I think we need to know as parents. Now maybe you are not a parent yet, but maybe you're someday hoping to become a parent. Or perhaps you're a parent of a grown adult. Or perhaps you're a grandparent. Or maybe even you are, are like an uncle or an aunt that spends a lot of time with a niece or a nephew. Somehow, probably many people in here have some kind of opportunity to train, to invest in, and to love a, a child or a student or a college-age adult to some degree. So I think this passage really has a lot to do for most of us in this room. And so I want you just to not check off if you think, well, I'm not a parent or, or my kids are 40 years old or whatever. I think that this still has some very good applications for people who are in all stages of life. Now, this is not a formula, right? This is not a, a, like a recipe. You put a little of this in, you put a little of that in, you stir it around just right, and voila, you get the perfect child. That's not what this is. There is no perfect child and there is no formula, right? These, these things that I'm going to show you that God gives us, this is not a formula, this is not a recipe, and this is really not so much about our children. This is more about us as Christ-following parents. These are different obligations that God has given to us. This is more about us. What do we do? Parents, and I think most of you have already figured this out, and I am only 13 years into this adventure, all right? So there's some of you here who've been at it a lot longer than I have. You have a lot more experience and a whole lot more uh, things to say about this. But something that I think we all know is true is we as Christ-following parents cannot decide what our children are going to choose to do as far as their relationship with God. We cannot make that decision. We can't. You can't choose whether or not your child is going to worship Jesus Christ for the rest of their life. You can't choose what kind of values they are going to, to decide to live by throughout the rest of their life. You just can't do it. That's God's role. That's what God does. Do not overestimate your ability to raise godly children. That's God's role. God has given us several different like, obligations he wants us to do. We've got to trust him with the rest of it. But these are things that we do as Christ-following parents. All right? So again, this is no recipe, right? This is no like formula. I, I'm, I'm not that person. I, I'm figuring this out just like you are. Um, okay, now one more thing. Two, like as I go through this, 
Say that you have not done any of these things in the past several years of your parenting, whether you're two months into being a parent, whether you're, you're 25 years into being a parent. Say you have never done any of these things. This is not about guilt. This is not about saying, wow, you really messed up. That's not this. This is an opportunity for you to sit here today and to say, those have not been a part of how I have parented, but starting today, these are things that I believe God wants me to start doing. This is not about saying, man, I've blown it. I'm a lousy parent. Friends, there's enough of us in this room or listening online who feel like we're lousy parents. Okay, that's not what this is about. This is God's word giving us some very practical steps to take as we seek to honor him as Christian parents. All right? So if these have not been a part of your life in the past, that's the past. Don't worry about the past. Focus on the future. Make a decision today. These are things I'm going to put into my life starting today. Okay, turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Just a little bit of background real quickly before we dive into it. Is that this letter was written by Paul. He was probably sitting in a Roman prison cell. And he writes this 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 letter to the church at Colossae. And the reason he writes it is because some false teaching has begun to creep into that church. And, and like one of the biggest false teachings going on is that these false teachers are teaching them that Jesus was not divine, that he was not the Son of God on earth. So Paul writes this letter just to get them all back on track, to say, yes, he is. And, and if you read the whole letter, start to end, that's a continual theme that you find throughout this passage. Or... This book. This section we're going to look at today, though, is basically, you know, just like I said before, some, these are some rules for godly living. And today, they're going to be rules for godly parenting. Start with me in Romans or in Colossians chapter 3, starting at verse 1. It says, Since then, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So when Christ, so when Christ who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory." Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. So you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and is in all." Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, 
gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Skip down to chapter 4, verse 2. It says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. All right, three action steps, three practical things that we can do, and I promise you, these are things that we all can do. Simple, really, simple. It takes some discipline. It takes some intentionality. But these are things as Christ-honoring parents. These are things that we can do. Seriously, they are. I promise you that. Okay. I'm going to go a little bit out of verse order. And we're going to start in chapter 4, verse 2. Because this first point I really want you to hear. All right. It says, devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer. My first question today. How is your prayer life? And as parents, how is your prayer life for your children? Do you pray for your children every day? Every day. Like I said a minute ago, maybe you've been parenting for 15 years and that has not been something that you've done. Okay? That's in the past. We are looking to the future. Do you pray for your children every day? You say, damn, really, every day? Every day? Why every day? This is how I sum it up. Because the devil doesn't take a day off. He doesn't. He doesn't take a day off. The devil's been attacking since the days of Adam and Eve. He's going to be attacking until Jesus returns. He doesn't take a day off. You know what that means, friends? You don't get to take a day off either. That's the reality of it. James, sorry, not James, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, says this. It says, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. All right, so who here has watched some of those Animal Planet shows or Discovery shows or whatever, and there's the cameraman and there's a narrator, and he's going wrong, and he's going around and he's following the lion, right? And this lion's out and he's looking for his, his dinner. Then the lion comes up on a herd of zebras or gazelles or whatever it may be that day. He comes up on this herd of zebras, we'll say, and he's prowling around, and he's trying to find lunch, Without exception, which one of those zebras does that lion always target? I mean, if you watch five of these shows, it's always the same thing. 
that lion's going after the youngest, the slowest, and the weakest. And he does every time. Parents, have you looked around at our culture? Have you looked around? It's pretty obvious where the devil is spending most of his time these days. It's pretty obvious. He's going after our children. And he's playing for keeps. And he's dead serious about it. He's targeting our children. You, as a parent, need to be praying for your child every day. Every day. You can pray for them in the morning when you wake up. You can pray for them in the evening before you go to bed. You can pray for them over lunch when you have a few minutes. You can do it. You can make it look however you want. doesn't matter. But pray for your child every day. Every day. Every day. This is part two to that point, though. So when you pray for your children, what do your prayers sound like? How do you pray? What are you praying for? Are you praying temporary prayers or are you praying eternal prayers? Do your prayers sound like, God, please help Johnny to make the baseball team. God, please help Susan to get a date for prom. God, please help Charlie to get a high SAT score. Those prayers are fine because those things are important to our children, so they're important to us. That's the reality of it, right? Those aren't bad prayers. Those are temporary prayers. Do you also pray eternal prayers? Do you pray, God, God, please cause Johnny to love you and to serve you at all cost, at all cost, no matter what the world may say or do to Johnny, no matter what his friends may do, no matter what the world may do, may Johnny follow you. Do you ever pray scripture for your children? God, I pray that Johnny love you with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his mind, with all his strength. May he be passionately consumed for you. May he love you more than anyone else or anything else in this whole world. May he love you more than anything else. You ever pray Romans 12, 9 for your children? It's fantastic. God, God, I pray that Susie will hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Wow, what a prayer for parents to pray for their kids. God, may Susie hate what is evil and cling to what is good. And may she know what is right and good and evil and destructive by studying the word of God. May she be consumed with hunger and desire for the word of God. May she love your word. May it sustain her and guide her every day. May she take her direction and wisdom from the Word of God, from the Word of God and not from all the false teachings and lies around her. May she have discernment because she's in your Word. Cause her to hate what is evil and cling to what is good. What are your prayers like for your children? Do you pray, God, God, may my child be a light in a dark world 
May his friends know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is a follower of Christ and wholly committed to him. How do you pray for your children? The temporary prayers, they're, they're fine. They're good. They're necessary sometimes. We love our kids. But man, do you spend more time with the temporary prayers or do you spend more time praying for the eternal matters? What's your prayer life like for your children? How are you praying? And how often are you praying? It's not judgment, friends. Man, I love your kids. Do you really want your kids going out into that cultural minefield without being covered in prayer every day? No, you don't. I promise you, you don't. Man, pray for your kids every day and pray those eternal prayers. Our God hears our prayers. He is faithful. He loves you. He loves your kids. He hungers and desires for you to lift your kids up in prayer every day. This is action step number one. Pray for your kids. Pray for your child every day. It seems so basic. Man, it seems so basic. It seems so simple. Are we doing it? Are we doing it? Okay, let's go into action step number two. Go to Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 10. It says this. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Wow, did you read that list of sins? Ugh, I get tired just reading it. It's exhausting to think about that trash. And that's the world your children live in. That's the world we live in. Friends, this world has been evil and corrupt since the days of Adam and Eve. Right? I mean, this has been part of the world. It's not new. These things have been existent since Adam and Eve and Noah and Lot and Abraham and Paul and now today. And it's going to be this way until Jesus returns. It just is. That's the world we live in. Go up to those first three words, Colossians 3, verse 5. Put to death. Put to death. What's that mean? It means kill it. Get rid of it. Be done with it. Bury it. Put it out of the way. If something dies in your house, do you leave it in your house? That would be gross. That would be gross. I mean, that's a sign, right? It's like, get help. No, you don't. You bury it. You get rid of it. You get rid of it. Parents, when our kids go out of our house and they go to a friend's house, they go to school, they go to work, they go wherever, 
The reality of it is we lose control. We lose control. We do. We don't like to admit it, but we lose control. We are no longer in charge at that point of what they listen to, what they consume, what they take into their lives. We lose control. God willing, we have raised our children to make good choices, good God-honoring choices. But when they come back into our house, you have total control. You determine what is in your house. You determine what will be allowed in your house. You do. You have total control. And you're thinking, well, Dan, how is that? Really? I don't know about that. Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you, friends, and I'm going to give you an example. Let's go for those first two or three different sins that Paul listed here in in verse 5. He says, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust. Let's talk for a minute about those as an example. Say that you're watching TV or your child's watching TV and a show comes on that TV that that is promoting a romantic lifestyle that is less than God's design of one man, one woman for a lifetime. Shut it off. Say something comes on the radio or on one of your devices that is promoting rage, malice, hatred. Shut it off. Say there's a book in your house that's promoting filthy language. Throw it away. You are in charge of your house. You have total control of what comes into your house. Friends, our kids, no matter what age, especially as they get older, and I'm finding that out now as my my kids are getting older, while they are inundated, inundated with, with these sins in their life, school, Media, friends, just culture. We have a bigger God than that. Don't lose hope. He will give us the victory. But they are inundated with these sins. Your children, my children need a break. They need a break when they come home where these things aren't part of their lives. Their minds and their spirits need a break from all that trash. You need to provide a refuge for your children when they come into your home. Put it to death. Bury it. Get rid of it. Don't let it be a part of your life within the walls of your home. Now here's the key. How are you going to do it? Let me give you a just a little bit of advice. I guess I'm putting on the pastor role right here. Let me give you a little bit of advice. Do it with love. Don't do it with the hostility and anger. Now shut that junk off. Right? That's probably not going to be real effective. Use it as a teaching opportunity. And say, hey, Susan, man, I've been like watching that show with you. It's got a lot of foul language in it. As a Christ-following family, That's not really something I want in our home. Let's shut it off and go play a game. 
Let's shut it off. Let's go get a cup of coffee. Let's go do something else. I believe probably your child's a lot more excited to spend time with you than that TV anyway. Parents, provide a refuge for your child in your home. Their mind, their body, their spirit needs a break. Allow your home to be a spiritual refuge where that stuff is put to death, buried, and outside the house. First point this morning. Pray for your child every day. Second point this morning. Provide a refuge for your child every day. Let's go to the third point. It's in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 and 17. It says this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What's this passage telling us to do? Go back to verse 16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another. Teach your children about Jesus. And teach them about Jesus. Verse 17. It says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So, as I was getting ready for this message, I thought, well, I'm going to look up that verse in about seven different translations just to see how some of the other translations translate those Greek words into English, especially those first four words that says, and whatever you do. So I looked it up, right? I was going through these different Bible, I was looking at these different Bible translations. You know what? All seven of them use the same word, whatever you do. So I started thinking, what's that mean, whatever you do? Friends, I think it means whatever you do. Whatever you do. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Friends, the way I understand that is throughout our day, as we're spending time with our children, find opportunities, find ways to talk to your children about Jesus. Going for a walk. Great opportunity to talk to your children about Jesus. Especially if they're younger, see a bunny walk by. Susie, do you think Jesus had anything to do with creating that bunny? Right? Simple. But for a preschooler, that's a fun conversation. You can even talk about the bunny's little cotton tail. Whatever you want to do. Right? Your children get, you know, start growing up, talk to them about Jesus. They're struggling with a homework assignment. Science, what a great opportunity to talk to your children about Jesus. Helping your child with a science project. Wow, right? You can sit there and pray. God, please help Charlie understand this science. Partly because we want to make a good grade. But especially, may he understand how wonderful your creation is. And may he glorify you by understanding more about creation. And just be in love with Jesus because of it. Find opportunities. Playing basketball, talk about Jesus. Sitting down at the dinner time, talk about Jesus. Talk about Jesus. Friends, 
The public school system is not teaching your kids about Jesus. Hollywood is not teaching your kids about Jesus. Sunday mornings in Kidstown, we teach your kids about Jesus. That's one hour a week. Are you talking to your kids? Are you teaching your kids about Jesus? Throughout the day, find opportunities to talk to your kids about Jesus. However it looks, whatever you do. And I'm using the word Jesus, right? I'm not saying God, right? Teach them about Jesus. Remind them. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Explain to them over and over again about the hope and the salvation they can have through Jesus' death and resurrection. And because he loved them. Go to the Gospels. Open up the Gospels with them. Teach them Jesus' teachings. Focus on Jesus. Jesus is the difference maker. Jesus, Jesus is the difference maker. He is the pivotal crux of all creation. In the history of the world, it's about Jesus. Talk to your kids about Jesus. Because outside of you, probably they aren't hearing much about Jesus. They may occasionally hear some kind of vague reference, reference about God or angels or something, right? But you, as their Christian parents, teach them about Jesus. You will not be sorry you did. You won't. Three very simple steps, right? It's not hard. And there's some tools that I have for you today. If you go out front, I put a stack of these prayer cards out there on the Connection Central. These are some eternal prayers. These are things that you can pray for your kid. Pick one up. Just take one home. Take two home. Give it to a friend. Something that we passed out in Kidstown. This is the family life guide. Family guide. Right? This tells you what we've been teaching your kids back in Kidstown, if you have kids in Kidstown. Simple way to have discussions about Jesus. Because I'm betting some of you are thinking, Dan, I haven't talked to my 17-year-old daughter about Jesus in 17 years. How am I going to do that now? That's going to be awkward. Yeah, it might be for about two or three days. And then after that, I'm willing to bet that the awkwardness begins to stop. And you know what? She might actually enjoy it. And wouldn't it be awesome if before long she comes to you and says, Hey, Mom. Hey, Dad. Let me tell you what I learned about Jesus in my quiet time today. How awesome would that be? I mean, that's like fantastic. You're like, man, I fell ten times today, but I got that one right. Right? I mean, we need all the encouragement we can get. It's a hard world to parent in. And when you have those kind of victories... Write that down, frame it, put it up on the wall. January 3rd, 2021. Boom. Friends, three very practical action steps, and they seem so basic. It's not an exhaustive list, and it's not a recipe. These are obligations that God has given to us as Christian parents to be doing with our children. Doesn't mean your children's going to work out, be perfect, live Live the perfect life? No, that's not it. We have these God-given responsibilities as Christian parents. And what God and that child does for the rest of their life is between God and that child. Three action steps. Pray for your child every day. Second one. Provide a refuge for your child every day. Third one. 
teach your child about Jesus every day. Join with me in prayer, please. Father God, we love you. And for those of us who are parents in this room and listening online, God, we come to you this morning and say, wow, we need your help. We thank you for the incredible privilege. I mean, what, what an honor to be placed in charge of another life. God, I pray that you cause us to do it for your honor and glory and praise. Father, I pray that you cause us to be disciplined and to be intentional with these action steps that you have given to us in your word, to pray for our children, to provide a refuge for our children, and to teach our children about Jesus. May you fill us up, give us the discipline, give us the desire, give us the intentionality to make this a part of our life. God, what has been a part, what we have done or not done in the past is in the past. God, I pray that you help us look to the future and from this day forward to part to start putting these steps in our life so that we honor you and we glorify you as the parents that you have created us to be. Father, we love you and praise you, and we know you have a plan, a plan and a purpose for us as parents. We know you have a plan for our children, and Father, we want to be part of it and to be obedient to you and to do what we can to live God-honoring parenting lives. So, God, I pray from this day forward, may we pray for our children, may we provide a refuge for our children, and may we teach our children about Jesus. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.